listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. Um, go ahead and turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 28. Last time, y'all. Matthew 28, end of the book. There you go. If you're, if you're a guest or uh, kind of in town for the weekend or something, uh, we've been going through Matthew since I was uh, four foot eleven. It wasn't that long ago, believe it or not. I'm about to hit my growth spurt, y'all. I'm there. Um, no, we've been working through this book since 2021, and we are grateful for it and thankful we're almost done. Um, been good. So I've told you before, I coached a little local baseball, high school baseball team, not because I'm a good coach, but because I couldn't find anybody else. And uh, actually, before I went to seminary and stuff, I actually did coach high school baseball back in the early 2000s, late 90s. And uh, Enjoy it. And we had a huge game on Tuesday. We were in Stillmore, Georgia. If you know Stillmore, that's, we, they played Alan Jackson for the uh, national anthem. That's Stillmore, Georgia. That's all you need to know about Stillmore. And so we're in Stillmore, Georgia. And this is a team, the first time we played them, they beat us 18 to two. So let's just be honest. There's not a lot of hope going up the, on the bus. I'm driving the bus thinking, what are we going to do? But we get up there, first inning, first batter. They hit a jack, gone. I'm like, all right, here we go. And they scored two more in the bottom of the first. I'm thinking, okay, let's just hold them. Let's not get 10 runs again, right? That'll be a win for us. But here's something, something miraculous happened. Not as miraculous as the resurrection last week, but like next level down. We start playing defense. Ground ball, throw them out, boom, pop up. We actually caught it. Two men on, two out. Base hit the right field. We score two. We start chipping away and chipping away. And at the end of the game, y'all, Seven to three, Haversham Patriots. Woohoo! There you go. There you go. Best game my team played all year. Proud of them. Most complete game. Under five errors. It was beautiful. But here's the thing it was a doubleheader. <laughs> and game two was against the reigning state champions. Okay, who just happened to be in our region. Game one was great. Game two, first inning, grand slam. Got out with only letting up five runs. Inning two, they, they, they scored 13. They missed the extra point on us, okay? <laughs> Kicker makes the extra point. Inning three, just to top it off, three more runs, just to be kind, 22 to zero. But here's the thing, our team, we're excited, we're happy, we're going back one and one. We stop in Metter because everything's better in Metter. Get us some Zaxby's and get on the road. What happened? Well, besides the fact that they're the state champs and legit, we had won the first game, so it was like, we're done. <laughs> we already won, right? And so we forgot how to catch a pop-up or field a ground ball or anything for that matter in the second game because we had already won. Game was over. And I was thinking about that as we come to our text today. There's a temptation for us after a Sunday like last Sunday, which was a big win. Easter Sunday, right? Jesus conquers the grave, comes back from the grave, give it, forget, offering forgiveness of sins. For us as a church, man, first service, I don't know if any of y'all were at 8 o'clock, if you were at eight o'clock, I appreciate, stop listening to me. Because at eight o'clock, we had like 1,100 people and I had nowhere to put them. So next year, don't listen to me on that one. Um, but it was a big win for us as a church. Man, we had 20-something hundred people in this, in this building on last Sunday preaching the gospel. It's a win. But there's a temptation for us to think, all right, we won. It's over. And Jesus is going to tell us today, there's another game. There's another game. It's not time for Zaxby's yet. We'll get to Zaxby's. We got another game. We got another job. 
What is that job? What is that game? That's what we're gonna look at today as we close out this gospel, right? Uh, Matthew 28, very famous passage. Many of you have heard it if you've been in church at any point in your life. Uh, It's called the Great Commission. And and I wanna highlight, you could preach this text a bazillion different ways. It's probably been preached a bazillion different ways, a lot better than I'll preach it today. But I want us to grab three things out of this today so that we will not coast, so that we get into the game and we win the game. Because we may be facing the state champs, but we can win. And also, I want us to see how this morning, wherever you're from, maybe you're guests, maybe you're you know, home on spring break, I don't know, but whatever it is, this is what Jesus calls us in light of what he's done. In fact, there's the only reason there is a second game is because he won game one, because he conquered sin, he conquered the grave, because he has rule and reign and he is returning one day. So let me read our text in its entirety, not long, it's five verses, and we'll kind of unpack it together. Verse 16, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now remember where we've been, right? Jesus last week, resurrection. He appears to several ladies, all the Marys and, and, and a bunch of ladies. And he tells them what? Tell my disciples to go to Galilee and I'm gonna meet you there, right? And so that's kind of where we left off. And Matthew, remember high level, he summarizes. But if you put all the gospel pieces together, what you realize is before they went to Galilee, a bunch happened. So that night, all the apostles freaking out, hiding, locked door right? Scared to death. Thomas is not there because they're like, forget Thomas. We don't care about Thomas. Lock the door. And so they're inside and Jesus shows up. It says, peace be with you. And then they go to Thomas and like, Thomas, man, you missed it. I know you were running on a Walmart run, but you missed it. Jesus was there. He's like, I don't believe it. As I put my hands in his side, but I touch his hands. I don't believe it. So eight days later, John says, So Sunday, that means the following Monday for those of you who are kind of challenged numerically. Okay. So following Monday, same thing. They're still hiding. They're still scared. They're still terrified. They're still behind locked door. Jesus shows up. This time Thomas is there. He goes right to Thomas and says, you believe me now? Put your hand here. You believe me? He says, you're my Lord, my God. Yeah, blessed are those who, be- who have not seen and believe, not just those who see. So that, that's, that's kind of timeline. And then after that, John says that there's, they're up in Galilee and there's this little seven of the disciples fishing, out fishing, and, and they don't catch anything. And then, and then Peter, you know, sees Jesus on the beach and he runs. Remember, he jumps in. He's still dressed in his outfit for the day. And Jesus cooks a little breakfast for him. And he says, yeah, do you love me, Peter? You know, I love you. Three times, you know, Clint t- preached on that a few weeks ago. That happens after that. And so apparently at some point after that is where we pick up today. So Matthew leaves out all the details. And, and I'll, I'll explain why that's significant in a little bit. But that's where we pick up in verse 16. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain, which Jesus had directed. We don't know what mountain. If I had money, I'd bet at the same mountain that was in chapter four and five, Sermon on the Mount, mountain. But can't prove it. Uh, It doesn't tell us. But apparently Jesus told them where, and so they go. And what I need you to understand is this, because geography, I know, is not your most exciting subject, unless you're an athlete and it's taught by a coach. Then it's your most favorite class. But if, if other, everyone else doesn't like geography. But geography in the scripture matters. Because when they hear Galilee, Jerusalem, they know exactly what we're talking about. If I tell you, you know where better is. McDonald's, Zaxby's, Joe Max Barbecue. Nothing else until Atlanta. You get it. 
You understand that, right, on I-16. But, but we, when we hear these terms, we don't know. So you need to understand, this is not just like the next town over. It's not Pooler. Galilee's in the north, Jerusalem's in the south. It's about, by the crow flying, 75 miles from Jerusalem to, to Galilee. But they wouldn't just go straight up. They would go across the Jordan River because they hated the Samaritans, or they'd go all the way around. So you're talking, even if you're a fast walker, right? Some of you are fast walkers. But if you're a fast walker, you're still talking four to five days. If you're like me, you're just kind of a 20-minute mile walker, maybe longer, right? So, and that's important because, remember, we're... Day eight, or eight days after the resurrection, they're, they're still in Jerusalem. And then they go up. So you're talking maybe four or five, six days. So now you're like day 19 or 20. Why is that being important? Because when you pick up in the book of Acts, when Jesus goes back to heaven, where are they? They're back in Jerusalem. So that means they walk six days, five days, and then they hang out for a little bit, and then they go all the way back. Why all the walking? What's going on here? We'll, we'll come back to that. And, and remember, they don't even know, they don't really, even though they know Jesus is alive, they don't get what's going on. In Acts 1, they're like, okay, Jesus, is this time for the kingdom? Time for the kingdom? Jesus says, no, we got another game. It's a double header. Oh, we didn't know we were playing a double. Yeah, there's another game. And so they're waiting, for, that's, that's all background, right? They're waiting on the mountain and they're like, hey, where is he? What time did he say? Well, he didn't, he just said the mountain. So we're waiting. And at some point, Jesus shows up. And they see him and they worship him. Greek word proskuneo means to prostrate, to get on one's face, to bow down. You think, oh, that's pretty normal, right? Not really. The disciples didn't like wake up every morning like, oh, time to worship. That's not what happened. In fact, only four times in the entire gospel of Matthew do you see anyone proskuneo to Jesus. First time, the Magi. We look at that back in 2016, right? Second time, the disciples on the boat when Jesus calms the sea and they're like, who in the world are we in the boat with? And they worship him. Third time was last week, the ladies at the resurrection. And this is the fourth time. So they're bowing down. But I love the honesty of the text. But some of them doubted. Who doubted? I want to know names. I want the list. Now, remember, there's more than just the 11 disciples here. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus had appeared at, at one time to more than 500 people at once. This is probably the event where there's more than 500 people. And if that's the case, then there's several people there that haven't seen the risen Savior yet. Now, Pete, Peter's seen him at least three, four times, right? It doesn't, it's still, still fresh and, and exciting, but he's already seen. There's some there that are like, haven't seen Jesus yet. And so these guys are on their face worshiping. And these are good Jewish folks who don't worship anyone but Yahweh. And so they're on their face worshiping and there's a hesitation. The word doubted actually means to hesitate. It doesn't mean they intellectually doubted. It means they were like, oh, they're, they're not sure. Wait, what are they doing? And Jesus, I love his response. He's not like, are you kidding me here? He comes to them. He moves towards them because our God is the first mover always. And he says, in essence, what they're doing is right. Here's why. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. There's, there's several alls in this passage that you need to underline in your mind. This is a big one. All authority, right? The Father has given me hmm, everything, right? A fulfillment of Psalm 2. I will tell 
of the decree, the Lord said to me, you are my son today. I've begotten you. Ask of me, I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth are your possession. Has happened. Jesus has all authority. And authority is more than just power. Okay, there is power there. There is omnipotence there, but it's more than that. See, I have on my baseball team, I have guys that, can, that have power. They, they can hit for power. They, they can hit a baseball. They can throw a baseball. They can catch a baseball most of the time. They have power, but they don't have authority. There's only one person on the baseball field that has authority. You know what it is? Not me. It's the umpire. That's right, the blue. He's the one that says, you're out. And most of the time, he's probably wrong, but he still has authority. He's the one that says, play ball. He's the one that tells me at the beginning of the game, are your players all properly equipped? And I tell him, yes. I don't know if they are, but I just think, I feel like I should say that, yes. <laughs> I don't know, Blue. <laughs> I have no clue. I don't even know if they brought their glove today, to be honest with you, sir. <laughs> but he's the one that makes the final everything. Game over. Out, safe, strike, ball. And he may be wrong. Jesus ain't. Ever. All authority. Right? That's the scope. And what's the sphere of it? Over heaven and earth. Is there any other place? No. He has authority over the wind and the sea because they obey him. He has the authority of all the nations. Doesn't matter what your background, ethnicity, age, income, athlete, intellect. Doesn't matter. He has authority. He even has authority over the angels and the demons and Satan himself must bow the knee. All authority is his. And it's interesting. Normally when someone says, I'm in charge here, it means they're not. Not when Jesus says it. All authority is mine. The Dutch theologian Abraham Kuyper says this famous quote, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. That's what he's saying here. And here's what I want us to grasp. Here's the first thing I want us to grasp today. If we're gonna be in the game, we're gonna win the game, we're gonna continue what Jesus has already done in his victory, you have to be willing to follow him. See, I, I've been kind of thinking about why all the up and down, why all the steps. It's not that the disciples are out of shape. You really need some good cardiovascular endurance. Let's go up to Galilee, okay? And then let's go all the way back down to Jerusalem. Well, there's a sense, I think, they could have just hung out in Jerusalem. But see, Jesus is putting his disciples through a final boot camp. Are you gonna trust me? Are you willing to follow me and take a five, six day walk and go to a mountain that I say I'm gonna show up? Are you gonna trust that I'm gonna do what I'm saying I'm gonna do? Are you going to follow me? Because look, Thomas, I'm gonna send you one day to India and you don't even know where that is right now, but you're gonna go to India and you're gonna die for me. If you're not willing to go a couple miles up the road, are you gonna go a couple thousand and die for me? And Andrew, I'm gonna send you to the UK. It's not called the UK at this point, but I'm gonna send you there and you're gonna die there. But if you're not willing to go up to Galilee, you're never gonna make it there. See, there's a sense where, where, where God is saying, hey, are you gonna trust me for the little things? Because I don't know where you, I don't know most of you personally. I know some of you, but I don't know personally. I don't know what you are, where you've been, what you do, what your job is. But here, here's what I know. I know that Jesus, if, if what he says is true, that it's, that's true for you, that every square inch of your life, he has the right to speak into. He has the right to speak into your marriage. He can speak into your fraternity. I know you're like, no, don't come in here. Yes, he can. And he, you should be asking him for that. He has the right to talk to you about your money, 
about your, uh, about your job, about how you talk to people, about your thought life, about what you put on your screens, in your face, about my baseball team. He has authority over all of it. And I know we're Americans and we don't like authority, AKA 1776. But this is not a, a despot. This is the good God of the universe who has demonstrated his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He has proved he is good. And, and under his authority, we find comfort and shelter and life. And some of us have never been in the game or won't get in the game. Here's why. Because you don't want to give up authority over fill in the blank. My time, my phone, my money, my hobby, my sport, my job, my, 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 my. And what the Lord Jesus would say to you today is, you, you want to do things? You want to be in the game? You want to you see me work? You want to do something? You got to be willing to take a walk. Just a little walk, little steps. We all, all want to do big things for God. Big things for God happen, you know where? When you start doing little things. And what you start doing, you start walking to Galilee and you end up in Russia because you just keep going and I'm following. That's what happens. But you're not going to get to the big things if you're not going to be willing to give up the little things, right? They, this is immorality. You need to stop. That's a, that may seem like, oh, that's not a big thing. It's big to God because he says, don't do it. And you're gonna have to trust that, you know what? His, his will is better than yours. So you, got, you gotta be willing to do that. Are you willing to do that? Because if you're not, then you, you're not gonna get in the game. You're gonna be sitting on the bench complaining that you're not getting any playing time. And what I tell my players when they say, when am I gonna play, coach? When you get better, when you work hard. Jesus is saying, are you gonna trust me as, your, as the coach? You gonna listen to me? Are you gonna do what I ask you to do? Put you in the game. Some of us are got to get to that willing point. And once you're willing, then here's the game plan. And the, the first word, the key word here is go therefore. And if you've been here for any length of time, you know this. When you see therefore, what are you supposed to ask? Okay, for all you new folks, you see a therefore, you ask what's the therefore, therefore. Because it's linking back to something. And this may be one of the greatest therefores in all the Bible. It clearly links back to what he's just said, all authority is mine. But I think that it links back actually to the entire book. I think he, he's, he's looking back. In light of the 28 chapters and 17 verses that I've just unpacked, where we started with the birth narrative, what my messianic line is, born of a virgin, perfect life, never sinned, healed people, raised people from the dead, calmed the sea. Then I died, then I came back from the grave. In light of all of that, all 20, 61 weeks, y'all. This is your application from 61 weeks of Matthew. All of what we said, therefore, and he gives one command. There's only one command. And I know in English it comes across as four commands, but there's, those three are participles that are linked to the original. I know you're like, I hate English. Me too. So understand, there's only one command and it's this, make disciples. Make disciples. And that's a very churchy word. Uh, it just means learners, followers. In, in essence, you know, what kind of a hipster kind of term of this day is apprentices, which is not a bad idea. It's one who comes under and does what? Learns, interns, coming under and learning. We are to make learners, not necessarily just converts, so that's part of it. It's not just to 
converts, that's, that's the starting place, but it's beyond that. And so if you're asking, what is, what is CBC about? What do y'all do? Here's what we do. For God's glory and to glorify his name, we equip people to follow Jesus. Boom, that's our mission statement. How do we do it? Through community and through the Bible. Those are our two, two tools, our two strategies, the scripture and community. Why those? Because the early church was devoting themselves to the very things, the apostles' teaching, which they wrote down in what's now called the scripture, and into fellowship, the koinonia, the, the community. Because both of these things are supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit. All scripture is inspired by God. Who else is who's empowered by, by the Holy Spirit? Me and you, sealed for the day of redemption by God, the Holy Spirit. Two supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit things, the scripture and the people of God to equip people to follow Jesus. That's what we do. And we have kind of, you know, that, that word disciple is a, or follower is a loaded term. So we've kind of tried to make it simplified. We have five core values that we want our people to be growing in to be equipped in, to be following in. We call them our specs, S-P-E-C-S. If you go on to start here, you've seen this before. If you haven't, here's start here for you. The first S is scripture, that you would be growing in your knowledge of what God says through his word and your obedience to it. I don't care if you memorize the book of Ezekiel if you don't love your neighbor. So it's not just about knowing, it's about listening to what God has said in his word. We grow in prayer, that we are communicating with God, that we are speaking with him, that there's time where I'm begging him to do this and I see his hand move through my prayers. We're engaged, not to a person. There's engagement with the culture. And what we see in so many churches is that we just, we kind of hide in our holy huddle and we watch Fox News and talk about how bad the world is. It's so bad, bad, good. I've made you the light of the world. Get out there and the bad. That's the idea. So we want you coaching the soccer, not soccer, because that's not a real sport. We want you coaching football. We want you coaching baseball, basketball, cricket. No, uh, we want you on th this team and, and this club and, and on this board because we want you to take the light to the world. So we don't have a bunch of things every night up at the church because we want you there engaged. We want you in community, which simply means that there's people that know you and you know people. So if there's tragedy in your life, they move in. If there's good things in your life, they are encouraged that they can speak truth to you and you can speak truth to them. And you're encouraging one another as long as the day is called today. That's community. That's koinonia. And then there's stewardship, that you're taking your time, your treasure, your talents, and you're funneling it to the kingdom. Not that, oh, I have to give my whole check. No, but you're using what God has given you as a steward that you will one day give an account to him. You will stand before Jesus and he'll say, okay, I gave you this platform. I made you this, I go this. And you're gonna be able to say, this is how I use that so that your name was made great. Right, That's, those are our five. No one's perfect in that except for the Lord Jesus, but we wanna be growing in that. Right? And, if, and if you're gonna get in the game, if you're gonna be involved, you gotta be willing to do it and you gotta be obedient to that command to make those things, right? To, to make followers and learners and be one yourself. You say, how do I even do that? I'm glad you asked the question because Jesus tells us with his three participles. Back to English, I know. But the first way we do it is we go. Literally, it's going, having gone. There, the idea there is not that you have to move to Africa. This text has been used to like guilt people. Oh, you need to go on the mission field. You do, but the mission field is not necessarily Africa. Although it may be, the mission field is when you get on 68th and Sanders. And when you go down to Georgia Southern, Savannah campus, or SCAD, or Gulfstream, or 
Bluffton or Wilmington Island, wherever. It starts where you are and then it goes to the nations because he says baptizing, I mean, uh, to make disciples of what? All, there's your second all, all nations. This is why we as a church send hundreds of thousands of dollars overseas every year. Most of our missions giving, not all, but most goes overseas. This is why in the last five, six years, we spent almost a million dollars trying to get, get this, uh, the scripture into other people groups that don't have it through Wycliffe and through Seed Company. Why? Because we want to make disciples of all nations, not just Savannah. We don't want to ignore Savannah, but we want to go to all the nations. Right? That is what we're called to do. And we want to be going, going in your neighborhood, going at your office, going in your dorm, going with your team, going with your frat, going, going, going. And you say, how do I start going? Let me give you a couple of thoughts. Number one, this may be the simplest thing you can do. You start praying, praying for people that are around you, praying for an open door. That's what Paul says. Continue steadfast in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us that God would open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Paul says, this is a great apostle Paul now who seems like he gets into a fight everywhere he goes about Jesus. But he says, I need you to pray for me that God would open doors. If Paul needs that, then do you think you do? Yes. But here's the thing. I don't know how often, if I'm honest, that I do this. And if, if I'm not doing it, I, I, I bet a lot of us, when's the last time you prayed for an open door with the person that lives next door to you? With your roommate, with your cousin, with your sibling, with your spouse, with your fill in the blank. You wanna be a goer? Then start praying for open doors. And I promise you this, if you pray this, you better watch out. Because when we ask anything according to God's will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have the request from him. You think God's not gonna, if you say, Lord, I really wanna be a light. I wanna open door at my office. He's gonna be like, no, I don't like Gulfstream. I like Boeing. You know, he's not gonna shut the door. He's gonna be like, all right, I've been waiting. Open the door. And then once you pray for open door, you pray for what? For clarity. That you would be clear. Even the apostle Paul says, I need, I need help being clear. Isn't that great? That should be an encouragement to you. If Paul needs prayer to be clear, what do you need? What do I need? You're like, oh, I don't really understand everything. All you need to know is he was dead, he's alive. That's all you need to know. And if you're like, I got, they're like, I got deeper questions than that. Okay, we'll go find that out together. But you need the simplicity of clarity. You're a sinner separated from God. He died on a cross in your place for your sins and rose again. And then you simply believe and trust in that. that that's it. You don't need to be an expert in Calvinism or premillennialism to do that. Because here's the reality. I think some of us think, I'm just gonna be a good person, be nice, work hard, and that's my job. That is your job. But you're assuming that just because you're a really good student and I'm studying chemistry hard, that someone's gonna wake up one day and be like, oh my goodness, that person got a B minus on their chemistry exam. I must be a sinner separated by God and Jesus died on a cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. If I believe in him, I can have eternal life just because I saw his B minus. That's not gonna happen. At some point, you have to open your mouth. How will they know if they have not heard is what Romans 10 says. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You're, you're getting a B minus in chemistry may give you a platform, but at some point you have to open your mouth. You say, well, I've been praying for someone to tell them. And God's like, yes. That would be you, sir. God is sending you. Well, isn't that your job, Bill? Yes, and it's yours too. That's the point. You gotta be going. That's one way. Another way is just simply you go by, by 
financially supporting a missionary or a uh, or our church. When you when you give here, twenty to twenty five percent of your our, the money we receive goes to missions. Boom, and that's not even counting the equipping ministries like high school, middle school, college, women's ministry, men's ministry, outreach. There's all sorts of things we 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 invest in 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 going. Next Sunday, you saw the slide if you were here on time. We are having all of our local partners come in and they're gonna be set up on the street. So you'll get to, you get to see all these local partners. And maybe one of them, you're like, man, I'm really interested in that. Oh, I wanna be part of this. Or like, uh, it's an opportunity. I don't care where, just be going. Be going. That's what Jesus says. Get in the game, be going. And once you're going, what happens? We see conversion. And then there's baptizing. We go and then we baptize, Right? We baptize. That means there's new life coming. We don't want to be a church that just takes a bunch of people from other churches because they're just, just not satisfied. We are glad if you have come from a church that stopped preaching the gospel or you weren't growing and you're here. We are, we are thrilled. But we want to see new conversion also. And once someone is converted, what happens? They get baptized. That's, that's what Jesus says. That's the model of scripture. Someone believes and then they are baptized. Not because that washes away sin. That is... By now, third service, it is not clean water. It does nothing magical. It's just a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You go under the water, it pictures you are united, united with Christ in his death and his burial. You come up, it pictures you being united with his resurrection. But here's the thing I see, and a lot of people, this is an authority issue. Some of you out there, you're like, well, you know, we'll say, hey, have you ever been baptized? No. Well, what do you think about that? Well, I'll pray about it. What are you praying about? Are you praying that you understand English? Because Jesus is pretty clear. It's not like, it's not like some, oh, the word really means this. It's a secret code. No, he says baptizing. We're, we're to be baptized. In the book of Acts, we, we get baptized after we follow Christ. That's what we do. Again, it's just so that you will come public and say, I'm in. I'm in the water. I'm in Christ and I'm in the church. And so I challenge some of you because some of you have been like, give me the whole, I'll pray about it. And I'm thinking... Yeah, you're not praying about it because if you were, you would already be in the water. And so, but that's part of it, baptizing. And then he says in teaching. Teaching them to do what? To do, not just to know, but to do. Right? To, so, so it's flee on morality. And here's why, and here's what. And here's how we talk to people. And here's how we give and how we use our money. And, and, and I know some of you are like, well, I'm not a teacher. I don't like getting in front of people. You don't have to. Every time something bad on the TV comes on in your home and you flip the channel in front of your kids, you just taught them something, that we don't, we don't play with immorality because immorality crushes us. Every time you show up on a Sunday morning and come worship and then go to Tybee, instead of saying, ah, we're just gonna skip church to get to Tybee so we don't have to park a mile away. You've taught something. You've taught the value of the day of the Lord and being with the people of God. You've taught something. Every time you serve, Every time you, you, you say, hey, let's talk about what you learned in class today, in Sunday school, you're teaching. It doesn't mean some formalized get in front of a class and say, okay, children, open your... No, it's just, hey, this is what I do. I wake up, I read a chapter of scripture, I pray about it, I write some notes. Hey, you, you wanna do that with me? We'll walk with Jesus together. I'm gonna follow Jesus. You wanna follow with me? Come on. That's all it is. That's what we're called to do, to reproduce yourself, to do that. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. In fact, you're commanded to do that. But it, it, it means that you must be growing yourself. The prerequisite is you gotta actually be growing. And I know some of us, oh, I've been saved for 30 years. Great. But this far in, you should realize how sinful you are. 
and recognize your need for a savior even more. There should be even greater humility, not arrogance. When's the last time you, you spent 30 minutes reading scripture? When's the last, what's the last Bible verse you memorized? Uh, Jesus wept. That was an easy one. And so that's the idea. You gotta be doing it so that you can lead it. And that's what we wanna be. That's what Jesus, he's really not giving an option. He says, because I'm in charge, this is what I want. I want you to be making disciples by going and we wanna see conversion. We wanna be reaching out. And I want you just teaching and encouraging. You say, man, that is, that's a daunting task. Where should I start? Man, I'm starting the Sermon on the Mount. How are you doing with blessing? Do we need to restart Matthew again? Okay, y'all better, I'll restart it. Go 63 weeks next time. Go back to blessed are the poor in spirit. How you doing there? The merciful. The peacemakers. Gentle. We could sit our whole lives in Matthew, right? We could. And again, it is daunting. And that's the point. Because if you're like, I got this. I got this. I'm, I'm going to go and do this. No, you don't. You're going to strike out. Get hit in the face of the ball. and Go to the hospital. You try to do it on your own. And that's why the last thing Jesus says is probably most important. You want to be willing and you want to be obedient and you need to be encouraged in his promise. And what is his promise? Behold, Greek word, see, understand, get this. I am with you always. And it's emphatic in the Greek text. It's I, even I is the idea how it's read. I am with you always. It's not I will be with you, I am. This is why Jesus is going to tell them, uh, in, in Acts chapter one, he's gonna be like, y'all, you need to hang out here in Jerusalem. Do not go anywhere. Peter, no more fishing, not for 10 days. Y'all hang here, why? Because then I will clothe you with power from on high and then you can go. The disciples at that point, they were like, oh, I've seen a risen Christ. I know this, I know this, I should be able to go. No, you don't have what you need until my spirit comes. His spirit comes, he's, we are sealed with the spirit, we're filled with the spirit and now we have everything we need because God is with us. Understand, this is how the gospel began. This is how it ends. Remember, how does the gospel begin? The line of David, and then you will have a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. How does the book end? I am with you. God with us. It's a great way to bookend. The idea is that God always empowers God's work, and he is not only by our side, he is with us at all times, all the days. Literally, it's all the days. That's their last all. It's not, there's no word for always. It's literal. I will be with you all the days to the end of the age. The one who has all authority. So when I, when I coach, I tell my players, and I, and I wish I could tell some of the parents, don't talk to the umpires. So if some of you are my parents, don't talk to the umpires. Because what I do is I'm kind to the umpires and I'm like, hey, Blue, how are you? And I'm real nice to bring him water. Why? Because if it's a close call, I want him to give it to me. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I wanna manipulate him into making the call for me. That's what I wanna do. And usually the other coach is obnoxious and that's what happens. It's close. It's a, it's a bang, bang play. He's safe. Yes, he was. No, he wasn't, but that's fine. <laughs> Why? because he's the one with authority, so I wanna make sure the one with authority is gonna lean my way. Here's the thing, we don't have to manipulate God. He has told us, I am with you and I am for you. So anything I am calling you to do, you can do. Why? Because I am with you. This is the promises of the Old Testament. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will uphold you, I will hold you with my righteous right hand. This is the same God. He is with us. So CBC, 
You're not here to just sit there and celebrate the win that we had last week. You are here because there's another game. And we can win this game against the state champions. Why? Because Jesus won and he's with us. And it's just, you're gonna have to be willing and obedient. So that's the question. 61 weeks. Matthew is complete. Well done, y'all. You put up with me. But really, it's not done. Not because we're starting over. Because now, it's game two. Therefore, go. Make disciples. Are you willing? Are you gonna be obedient? Because he has enabled us by his presence. That's what he's calling us to do. So let's get it. Let me pray. We'll sing and then we'll baptize some folks. Father, I thank you for your word. It reminds us of what you have done and who you are and what we have done and who we are. But we, because of your forgiveness, can be clean. We can be righteous in your eyes because of Christ's substitute for us. I pray for our church and all churches that are preaching the gospel, that are worshiping Christ this morning, that we would be making new disciples. There might be someone in this room that needs to put their faith in you. Or maybe they just, they've been wandering and they need to come back to you. I don't know, Lord, you know, your spirit knows, uh, whatever is appropriate, whatever response each one of us needs. Maybe some of us need to get in the game. We've been sitting on the sidelines for too long. There's people all around us that we know are lost and we don't, we haven't said a word. We need to open our mouth. Give us courage. Open the door. I pray right now over our church, over all three services, that you would open doors throughout Savannah and beyond for the word that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. Do that, Lord, for your namesake this week, this week, so that you are proclaimed in the nations because you are worthy. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. You guys can stand as we sing.